TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Warning. The Outsider's Edge contains strong opinions, unconventional views, and contrarian stances. Listen, if you dare. Hey, yo. Everybody, welcome to another edition of the Outsiders Edge. It's not your boy Rance, it's Carl, because Carl is moderating a lively and friendly debate today. We're calling this the state of the WWE episode. And of course, as always, we have the main man, Rance Morris. Rance, what's going on, brother? Oh, he called me the main man. I feel so special. Well, you're the hardworking man. You're the hardworking man. Well, I appreciate that. What's happening, everybody? How y'all doing? Everybody doing good? Okay, all right. Kyle, we got the uh, golden lover, Kyle. He's here as well. What you got, I mean, Kyle? I'm only mildly offended because, like, are you trying to say that me and Clive don't work hard? On this, on, in the way that Rance does? I don't know now. Come on. Like, on the on the podcasting game, at least. Okay, okay Rance okay. is everywhere. Rance right. is everywhere. I'll concede that. I'll concede that. <laughs> so there's Kyle already getting angry. <laughs> and we have another special guy here today from the Rick and Clive show. What's going on, Clive? How you doing? Good evening to you, Carl. How are you doing? I had to get my time zone correct there. It's morning over here. Uh, well, yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. But you know how us Americans do. We don't pay much attention to what goes on anywhere else. So, <laughs> other countries? I mean, you know I'm right. So for this episode, like I said, we're doing the state of WWE. Everybody except me, of course, is going to choose a main roster brand, SmackDown, Raw, 205 Live. Each person is assigned to one. I believe Rance has Raw, correct? Flagship, baby. Raw has Raw has got Rance defending them, so this will that'll be interesting because we all know Raw is trash, but Rance is going to tell us why it's not. Kyle's got the easy one. He's got SmackDown, so that should be easy for him. I mean, you know, it's only the best B show ever. Yeah, yeah. And really, I think maybe Clive is behind the eight ball more than anybody else because he's got 205 Live. And here's the thing. As good as 205 Live is, as the moderator, I could say that I don't watch anything right now, but I, I haven't ever, like hardly ever gotten into 205 Live. It's always been at least Raw or SmackDown. Damn, so, save your bias for the you're the fucking moderator. Oh no, but I'm, well hold on, no, I, I'm not I'm not the one who's yeah I'm not the judge. The, the voting won't be on me. I'm just here to poke and prod and you know give you guys shit as we go along. Just trying to push them buttons. Yeah, that's right. Trying so to see if can get Clive to talk some shit while he eats communion wafers. So the <laughs> the idea. <laughs> so the idea here is that. I'm going to ask them all some questions about their respective brands. They're going to defend their brand. Uh, and we're going to let the fans decide. Who um, who do you like? You like SmackDown? You like Raw? You like 205 Live? And don't just, because you're a SmackDown guy, don't just be like, oh, I'm automatically choosing SmackDown. Listen to the arguments. Listen to what these guys have to say because they're all well thought out, well fleshed out fellas. They know how to talk about things. They rants especially. I can't wait to hear what he has to say because you know 
you know he's going to be pulling some shit out of his ass like he always does. So, however, I'm going to – for you guys, are you guys ready to get going? Because I'm, I'm ready to start if you guys are. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm going to put Clive on the spot immediately because 205 Live is already the underdog in this. So, let's just give him a chance – we're just going to do like an opening, kind of an opening statement. I'm not going to bust him down with a question. I just want him to talk about 205 Live. Why? Because he volunteered to take on 205 Live, by the way. So why did you Why did you choose 205 Live? Let's hear it. What you got? Well, I have watched it from the beginning, and it became, a, I wouldn't say a passion, but due to the digestible time, I mean, you're not even talking an hour. You're talking 50 minutes, averaging out every week. Uh, and it became a thing that I followed closely to the point where I was passionate enough to write columns about it, the weekly recaps. In order for me to say why I think it's the better brand, I mean, let's be honest, just as well, Ricky slept in for this one because he was going to have NXT and could have arguably wiped the floor with everyone. So at least everyone else has a chance to shout from the rooftops. But with 205 Live, Let's imagine this is we are presenting each brand to a, a total newbie. They've not seen anything else before. You're going to be introduced to something that's less than an hour long. It's a small cast of characters, a small, a diverse cast of characters. The whole 205 Live thing, it's geared at cruiserweight wrestling, but you also have more grounded wrestlers whose gimmick is that they don't like High Flying and Drew Gulak. You've got people who metaphorically and literally reach for the stars and heroes like Mustafa Ali. You've got hard hitters in there with Buddy Murphy. Um, some nasty bastards like Hideo Itami. There's just really good simple stories in 205 Live. It doesn't insult your intelligence. There is some humour in there. And because it's because of that small cast, you don't forget about wrestlers every couple of weeks because they give room to them all whether it's tag matches, selfie videos, promos, accompanying someone to the ringside. There's, they're always omnipresent, so to speak. So you get to grow an affection for a lot of the characters. So when someone like Mustafa Ali repeatedly fails to get the big purple at the end of the day, you connect with them and you root for them and you want to keep watching to make sure someone that you've followed since the start gets to the top eventually. So... That's the opening gambit. If you have any questions now or later, I'm happy to take them. Yeah, we'll we'll do that. I I'm before I I'm gonna before I jump over to the next. I just the way you kind of describe 205 Live to me, and, and I hope it's okay. I know I'm not literally in the debate, but I just kind of want to throw thoughts in as we go along. The way you kind of describe 205 Live to me, it feels like an independent film. You know how you kind of mentioned a small cast of characters, a simple story. It's not. It doesn't. It feels like a low budget in a way in comparison to its counterparts, mm-hmm. you know, where you have, if raw is a Marvel movie, you know, smack SmackDown live is a DC movie. You know, there's just a little bit low. Terrible DC juju on SmackDown. And 205 live is like that movie super with rain Wilson. I don't know if anybody's ever seen that or not, yeah. but it's kind of like that. That's kind of the way I, you know, envision or like kick ass or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, a little bit lower budget. So I like it. And we're going to move. I want to move to Rance next for Raw. I want his opening statement. Tell me why you chose Raw. And uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, Mr. Moderator, to my esteemed panelists and to the IWC brethren, 
Um, <laughs> I have chosen to pick Raw for a number of reasons, but I only have one that I need to really, uh, at this moment, kind of talk about, and that's just the flagship. Um, I realize that I'm batting from behind here because Raw has kind of become the joke, if you will, among diehards. But ultimately, if you there is no WWE and no wrestling as we know it without Raw. Raw is the show that started it all. Raw is the show that all the stars and the moments were bred from and bred for. You know, Raw is the show. It's, it's the flagship for a reason. Raw is single-handedly the, the most longest-running episodic television show in history. I know that tagline is annoying as hell to hear. But what that says is, consistently every week for the past 25 years, you could set your clock every Monday night to 7 or 8 o'clock Central Time, 9 o'clock Eastern, whatever, whatever time you are, and expect to get at least two hours of quality wrestling content. Now, whether you ended those two hours or three hours happily or not, you knew that it was there. And everything in that company was built around largely what happened in those two or three hours. Raw is the main show. Raw is what the entire company has been built upon and been built around. I also wanted to um, talk about Raw and, and choose to um, have Raw and argue for Raw because personally it's my favorite show. Because, I again, I also realize I'm batting from behind in this standpoint, but I am a, a wrestling fan who was drawn to the business based on the pomp and circumstance and the entertainment aspect of the, of the business. I, I'm, I'm a combat sports fan, so I watch boxing, I watch mixed martial arts, I watch all of that. And if I just really wanted to see just nothing but true in-ring physical talent, I have multiple mediums to watch that in. What sets pro wrestling apart from me, then from the other companies and the other mediums and whatnot, is it is the perfect mixture of a soap opera or movie-esque uh, entertainment style with physical accoutrements. And Raw, better than any other show, bridges that gap with the storylines that, uh, that appeal to me, with the stars that make me care more than anybody else, and the matches that bring all of those things together. So I'm very proud to represent Raw, and I hope I will do Raw well in representing it tonight in this debate. Well, I'll make sure that Vince McMahon hears this when we're done, uh, so that way he can give us, say, uh, you know, his thoughts. But I did want to say uh, what I, I thought it was interesting, what you said about Raw right there. You know, they kind of started started it all with the shows, the episodic shows. 1990, right? That's the year. So, or is it 1990? 92, I believe. Three, 92, 93, right? So they've been, like we said, 25 years, be 26 pretty soon, close yeah. to that. So... What I think is interesting about that is SmackDown started in 1999. 99, yeah. 99, so not too too long after. And so what I think is interesting is, and I wonder if if Kyle will maybe talk about this any at all when we get to you in just a sec, is the fact that while Raw has started at all, SmackDown's been doing this a pretty good long time too. And sometimes it makes me wonder if the goodwill of yeah, well Raw started at all. How far does that go, especially when we know when SmackDown has been very consistently good? You know, there have been downtimes as well. I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying otherwise. But I think, you know, just something to think about as we kind of push along here with that. You know, the, 
SmackDown's been doing this a pretty good long time as well. So let's move to Kyle. Kyle, you you got SmackDown, and I feel like you kind of I'll let you go last because I felt like you kind of maybe are have a little bit of advantage, especially you know with most people seem to be gravitate gravitate to SmackDown, at least more of the hardcore fans, you know, uh, outside of NXT, of course. So just tell me why SmackDown. I mean, I guess the answer is why not, but why SmackDown? <clears throat> well, you know, I'm glad you asked because I obviously chose the billion dollar brand, the Rocks <laughs> Show. SmackDown. Uh, um, but no, I've always been a SmackDown mark going back to 1999, just because right age, right time, big fan of The Rock. I've always marked out for SmackDown. Um, but you actually brought up the word that I was going to use to really describe what I love about SmackDown. Consistency. SmackDown has consistently been a quality, watchable show, even during its downtime. What SmackDown has lacked in terms of star power, a consistent time slot. I mean, SmackDown's been on Tuesday nights. They've been on Thursday nights. They've been on Friday nights. They've been on you name a night of the week, SmackDown has been on. Um, What they've sometimes lacked in star power, what they've lacked in that, like, push from the company and recognition from that standpoint, SmackDown has always made up for with consistency they consistently utilize their smaller roster um they have more of a shared universe concept where you see people from different storylines converging with one another um smackdown has quality tag team wrestling smackdown has the two hot two of the three hottest women in wrestling right now including probably the hottest woman in wrestling right now. Um, SmackDown is just... SmackDown combines the quality in-ring work that you're going to see on a 205 Live with the quality storytelling that you're going to see on Monday Night Raw. And so if you're talking about the main roster, SmackDown's really bringing all of the best parts of all of the shows together in a nice, neat two-hour package, which is long enough to tell a lot of stories, but not so long that... It becomes a slog to get through. It's not relying on video packages. And SmackDown does not have Stephanie McMahon on it, which instantly wins at bonus points. <laughs> That's blow. fair. Blow, blow. Uh, yeah. I mean, as as moderator, I would say that, you know, Steph isn't on TV that much, so when she is, it doesn't bother me. Anymore. Yeah. Anymore. Right, right, right. Right. That's, I mean, she hasn't been on TV that much anymore for a while, really. She's, she's there some. Not as much as she used to be. But okay, all right. So that's a good that's a good start. So I was gonna just go stay with Kyle and go back in rotation, but I think I'm gonna let just start go back to 205 Live because I've been kind of dying to ask this question. And I think and we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about because it's over the last year, so I kind of gonna kind of go over some things. I don't want it to just be like over oh, the last three months, you know, what's the state of 205 Live? But the shift with 205 Live kind of started, Clive, with the release of Enzo Amore. When everything happened with Enzo, that was the shift. And the shift has been, as opposed to this story, which, by the way, I mean, as much as we can say whatever we want to say about Enzo, right? But Enzo was bringing views to the product. He was People were paying attention because of who he was and the things he was saying and the fact that he was nobody amongst these sea of, like, he was somebody, but he, in terms of wrestling, he was nobody amongst the sea of talent. 
So they've shifted ever since he left, and to a lesser degree, I guess Neville left as well, to where everything is like, like you said, smaller, small stories and diverse characters, but really it's the ring quality that has been, and it was always pretty good, but the ring quality has really been where it's at for 205 Live. And every time I hear someone say, watch 205 Live, it's because of this amazing match, Mustafa Ali versus Buddy Murphy or whoever. But let me ask you this. Do you think, and just honest question here. Okay. If, if Enzo had never been released, you know, and I know this is a hypothetical, do you think that they would have been better off long-term with Enzo at the forefront because of the name value he had at the time? And so do you think ultimately, even though they've had this major shift, that it's actually hurt 205 Live in the long run? It's a hard question to think about because of the big effect that Enzo had, the detriment that Enzo had to just the name of WWE as a whole with what happened in the news with him. I mean, at the time with Enzo, his release was just before a championship match with Cedric Alexander at the Royal Rumble. And it seemed to be, I mean, this could just be armchair booking, armchair quarterback, but it seemed to be that Cedric Alexander was going to win then. But for me personally, for someone who's watched it from the start, Enzo Amore's inclusion into the show did hurt it. I know, I mean, I've heard the arguments that it brought more eyes to the product. How can that be quantified, that statement? I mean, I don't know. That, and that's why I wanted to, because I'm going to toss the same question to these two, because I know Rance, you know, this is a debate. We're kind of debating the ideas. And I know, I know Rance and me personally as, as fans are pay attention to things like the views and the, and things like that, because we, the business side of it a little bit, you know, what brings more eyes to the product, more eyes to the product means potentially more money, more ticket sales, more merch sales, things like that. And we think, I know we think about it in terms like that. And that's why, you know, I don't know if you can necessarily quantify it on paper. I don't, I don't have all the statistics and the data in front of me necessarily, but that's why I will toss it to them as well. I'm not going to just leave you in the cold here to have the answer, you know? It's just, as I say, personally, I didn't enjoy it as much anymore. The argument against that could be that around that time when Enzo Amore had been, became the champion, I think they had advertised a couple of live shows for 205, like a tour, a mini tour and maybe they coincided but as far as I'm aware, those live shows did not do well in terms of ticket sales so okay, they're getting main event spots on Monday Night Raw, the YouTube hits might be up but people like to watch car crashes on YouTube, proverbial car crashes so I don't know if they were watching it out of enjoyment or watching it to see, look at the state of what's happening on 205 at the moment and it, it was a double, a double whammy of bad luck because Neville had left as well. And Neville was a constant in 205, the very top of the card since December 2016. And I think they were hitting their stride. Okay, they didn't have the, the DVD sales or whatever from their match at WrestleMania, but Austin Aries and Neville were doing really good things, getting featured on the main, the, the main card for the likes of Extreme Rules, and the, the pay-per-view after. I can't remember it off the top of my head. Right. I th- there's just too much bias in me to think that Enzo's staying in the product. I mean, I'm not even thinking about 
the controversy that happened with him in real life, I'm thinking of you've got all these really great wrestlers, whether they're grapplers, high flyers, or strong style people. You've got this guy whose strength is ragdolling about the place and cheats the wins and just he's not even got mind games. It just trash talks so much that the, the opponent doesn't know what to do with him and they let their guard down because of that. So it wasn't an enjoyable product for me at that point. So I think I think it see as well, I know I'm going on a bit here, but when Enzo left or was fired it burst the Cruiserweight Championship tournament, which was week upon week of really good matches and a story that wrote itself as well in the lead up to WrestleMania. I don't know if I'd really answered your question, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, basically, I just, I mean, more than anything, just do you think that Enzo leaving is a positive or a negative, really, in the long term for 205 Live? Long you can make short answer. Yes, it's a. Enzo leaving was good for 205 Live. Okay. Rance, what do you think about that? Same question. I think Enzo leaving in totality was bad. I don't think Enzo could have ever stayed at the top of that brand, uh, realistically, because that is the work rate brand, if I'm allowed to use that word in this debate. And the calling card it's always had was great matches. And Enzo's best quality from the very beginning the, in fact the entire reason he was ever hired was Enzo is one of the most compelling talkers we've seen in this generation so you need a guy like that on your brand who is interesting he's interesting from a character perspective and can talk he couldn't have been the champion or the main draw or a top guy for a long time but I can see him at you know at the beginning of the card opening the show having random matches with whoever I want to, I do want, I did a little research and I don't know if this is allowed or not, but I just did a Google search. Um, when you asked the question, was Enzo a draw? Like, how can you quantify that? This is just one particular case, but I'm sure if we look hard enough, we can find it. But this is Dave Meltzer, so we have to take that with a grain of salt. But Ooh, um, multiple, <laughs> uh, multiple, um, multiple articles I'm reading have the same uh, site, but citing Dave Meltzer in the Wrestling Observer newsletter, um, 205 Live for the September 26th episode, which is the episode that after he beat, after he won uh, the Cruiserweight title at No Mercy, mm-hmm. uh, 205 Live was consistently beaten by NXT and even WrestleMania re- repeats or re- re- repeats consistently every week. The week after that, 205 Live jumped to number seven on the list of most watched WWE shows in the network. Okay. So there is at least some quantification that Enzo raised the profile of the show. So now we all look at things differently. We're all different wrestling fans. We all have different wants and needs and enjoyment out of this business. But ultimately, and I see that this is a personal preference, but I think ultimately when it comes down to the betterment in the business of the company, and the business in general, the the enjoyment of a wrestling match is subjective. All four of us could watch the same match and like it in different ways. One of us can hate it, one of us can love it, one of us could think it was okay, one of us could not care. That's subjective. The one thing that is completely objective and is pretty much straight-laced is, are people watching and do people care? 
So ultimately, I would I would be willing to sacrifice 50 minutes, like one match of 50 minutes to have a guy like Enzo make people care about the brand than to have great match after great match after great match. Because my argument to your point, Brian, is that before Enzo ever came, the show was great match after great match after great match after great match and nobody watched. Well, can I ask can I ask you to do a wee bit of research on the side? I'd be glad to, yeah, sure. Can you, if possible, find out if there was any similar news articles when Akira Tozawa beat Neville? I'll look, yeah. I, I mean, because, I'll, in fact, what I'll do, I won't be able to do this in for tonight, uh-huh. but maybe I'll come guest on your show soon, or, or you guest on our show, and I'll have... I'll, but I, my goal is to get all of the 205 live ratings or whatever I can quantify at least for at least a six month period uh-huh. before Enzo, during Enzo and after just, just to get an idea Yeah, the point I was wanting to bring up there was was it because Enzo won the title or was it just because Neville lost so was there still interest in Tozawa as well that's, that's what it's I was wondering it's, it's a very fair question it's a very fair question I would argue it's Enzo because Enzo was over with the main roster before he came down <laughs> 205 but I mean that's a fair argument but um, to kind of in my part of this and kind of, I guess, passes on to Kyle, that's where we're going. Yeah. Um, I do think losing Enzo, if you take away the reason he left and just look at it in a vacuum, in a kayfabe right. wrestling vacuum, I think it hurt the, I think it hurt the short-term appeal of the brand. It helped the long-term appeal because they completely rebuilt the show. Right. But... In the short term, Enzo was a huge help to that product, a huge uh, addition to that product, and making people care about it. We were we were at the point where people were talking about them canceling 205 Live. Yeah. And Enzo comes, and they got live events. That's not that's not a that's not an accident. There's a reason for that. Sure. Okay. So I'll pass it on to Kyle. You know, you know the you question know, by now. So. Have to add is, I think the reason I disagree is because. You're right, Enzo was the biggest star that they had. But I'd argue, honestly, that Enzo was too big a star and he cast a shadow over everybody else. Um, And a shadow that it was really impossible to step outside of. Because the way that they were booking him, really the only person other than Enzo that was going to get over at the end of that storyline, the way that it was going, was Gabagulak. Yes, yeah. And Drew finally turned and snapped Enzo in half, um, which I'd have marked for because, you know, I'm here for, I'm here, hashtag, for a better 205. (laughs) I am totally all for it. Um, I I will watch that man give me any PowerPoint presentation. But um, I would just argue that, yes, Enzo put more eyes on the product, but Enzo's star was so much bigger than everybody else's because of his time when Enzo and Cass were still really popular and all of that, that his star loomed too large over the rest of the show. Okay. And it almost prevented other people from getting over. All right. I could eat. So, yeah. So before, before we move on, I just, I kind of, I'll be interested to see Rance, you know, if, if and whatever numbers you can come up with, because I've always kind of wondered, like, as good as 205 Live has been, they still, I mean, as you know, the match has been good. The addition of Drake Maverick was really was really well done. Um, it still seems like 
It's an they struggle. They yeah, they they struggle with getting the, the the eyes that they got when Enzo was on top, and you know, and we'll see. I'm interested to see the numbers. I'm, I'd be interested to really see the numbers before and after Enzo more than anything, as opposed to the ones with Enzo, because after Enzo, do people stick with it? You know, that's kind of what that, that differential will interest me a lot. But uh, it's time to move on. We're going to move on to Raw, and I'm not fucking around with questions today, so we're we're going to get after this. Um, state of the WWE, right? Monday Night Raw. Where do they really go right now? Now that they have lost Roman Reigns for an indefinite amount of time. And I think we all kind of see how much we weren't appreciating Roman. Mm -hmm. If you've been watching Raw recently and there's been a lot of, you know, a lot of people hate Raw anyway, but it feels like it's been piled on more since Roman has left. So the question I have for you is now that Roman is out for however long it's going to be, how are they going to recover, like ultimately recover and get themselves back up to a level that we really never really realized they were at to begin with, I guess, because we always have had disdain towards raw, but how, now that we know for sure that Roman is a major factor and how important and his importance to that show, where do they go from here? How do they recover without him? And is Brock Lesnar the answer? So Brock Lesnar's not the answer, but uh, it very clearly a loss like losing Roman Reigns for any amount of time, let alone for the surely the large amount of time they've lost him for. And the reasoning is debilitating, is tragic, is every word you could think of in the book. Get real soon, Roman. And yes, I like that you said that it's kind of made a big portion of the audience who didn't like him at least appreciate his importance to the company. But the one thing that I've said to you and the rest of you and a lot of you guys listening for a long time is while Roman was the biggest and most and hardest pushed man on the roster for the past four years, he wasn't the only one. Seth Rollins was pushed very closely. Sure. Ambrose was pushed very closely. Until this year, Bray Wyatt was pushed fairly closely. You've had got Braun Strowman until these bad losses have been pushed very closely. You've had people who have been pushed at 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 high levels. The goal was, though, to make Roman the Cena so that when Roman, when the other guys were gone, Roman could put over the other guys and the other guys could ascend to him with him instead of just having a whole group of guys come together and there's no top guy. If, we want, if there's one thing we can always say very definitively is that when WWE has turmoil in some form or fashion, they, they seem to always breed excellence. Their best moments have come when they've been challenged, whether it was WCW um, rising up against them, whether it was a whole bunch of people just deciding to leave at once and they had to make stars out of nowhere, they've always seemed to have done well when their backs were against the wall. So let me take that. Let me make, take that to Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar is a constant because he's the well, he's the biggest, well-known, most well-known star in the in in not just wrestling but in the mainstream of of what professional wrestling is. Roman is known around wrestling circles and fairly decently around the world. Everybody knows Brock Lesnar in and out of wrestling, or at least has heard his name. But the beauty of a guy like Brock Lesnar, and you, we saw the positives of him at Survivor Series when he's actually selling and putting people over and making people look like stars like he can, Definitely. is when he loses, and I know that's not often, and I understand that that is a problem, the way he's booked, the way his matches are booked, 
all of that is a problem. I understand that it's a detriment. But when he loses, and he will lose eventually, the person who beats him will be put over so heavily. Right? There's the rumors of Seth versus <coughs> Seth versus Brock. A lot of us thought it might be uh, Drew versus Brock. We're eventually going to get a Braun versus Brock final match when, uh, when we get it. So I think what they're going for is now that the top guy is gone, essentially the starting quarterback is gone, they're going to go away from an Aaron Rodgers style attack and just let the and stop let, not let the quarterback just kill it all and rush the ball a, few, a little bit more, run some screen passes a little bit more, run some tight end outs a little bit more, and make it more of a team effort. And if you're watching the show, you're already starting to see that. Ronda Rousey is getting major parts of the show more than usual. Seth and Ambrose are closing shows and like they've done over the years and have a huge storyline. Drew McIntyre is going crazy. Corbin is in the authority storyline, and very surely that's leading to something, whether it's going to be a main level top level story or not it's leading to something so you have these areas and these pieces where they're trying to build not further interest and um elevate stars in certain positions elias got turned and we know how over he is finn balor seems to have a renewed vigor and has seems to have some semblance of a direction which he hasn't had for damn near a year you know you're starting to see the, t- the wheels moving and the gears turning, heading towards the road to WrestleMania, which is going to lead to some very interesting things. And I think more stars being ascended to a level which only helps everybody. Okay. I like that answer. What do you think, Kyle? Um, I mean, I think it's more than just Roman. If you really look at all the people that Raw's lost um, to injuries or other things, Roman's a long-term loss. But they're without Kevin Owens for the near future. They're without Sami Zayn for the near future. They're without Braun Strowman right now because he's got that elbow injury. Um, Alexa Bliss has that concussion. Um, Raw's got a lot of people on the shelf. Like, a lot of people on the shelf. And we talk about how thin Raw's roster is right now. Raw's roster's thin because everybody hurt. Mm-hmm. If all those people were healthy, they have a lot of star power. Um, you know, that's why a couple weeks ago on the edge, we had talked about Alistair Black being called up and Rance mentioned, well, Raw needs bodies. Well, yeah, but SmackDown needs names more than Raw needs bodies. Raw needs bodies because people are hurt. SmackDown needs names because like SmackDown's got consistency, but they need star power. Okay. Brian, thoughts? I'm going to mix some metaphors quite badly here, but Rance had said the gears are turning in order to sort of build everyone up again to eventually nominate or coordinate someone who's going to take the title from Brock. Again. There we go, again. Now, I know what happened with Roman. It's just completely unforeseeable. And with Braun being injured, what has now come to happen with crown jewel and Brock Lesnar being the champion again it's almost unavoidable but I think that's because of the nearly two years now of people grinding their gears and not being able to rise to the top the cream's not been able to rise to the top because they're too busy they're being bought this metaphor game is terrible they're being bottlenecked and they're stuck because they can't they can't elevate any higher 
because Brock has a stranglehold on the, the sort of main event division. And it's happened again. This can't be helped, but it's happening again. And because the credibility of a lot of the wrestlers has been damaged considerably over the last couple of years, it's hard to see anyone at the moment credible enough to beat Brock Lesnar, even in the near future or WrestleMania. So it just feels like it's very cyclical. And we've been down this road before. I understand your optimism, Rance. I really do. And it will happen. Obviously, Brock can't be the champion forever. But yeah. in terms of a weekly episode, weekly episodic programme, it can be a chore to watch because you know it's not going to lead to anything truly massive until WrestleMania time. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a good point. I think, you know, to a larger degree, I think one of the, the biggest problems with Raw isn't it's not Roman. Like you said, Brock has had a stranglehold. And of course, this was supposed to be it for Brock when Roman took the belt back or to finally won the title, rather. You know, we kind of thought, okay, well, they're moving in a different direction. For what we understood, it was probably going to be Roman and AJ at Survivor Series, you know, and things changed. You know, you have to, as Dave Meltzer might say, plans changed, right? Um, but I think one of the, the biggest problems with Raw is they didn't really have, it doesn't seem like they had a backup plan. And what I mean by that is, yeah, Brock Lesnar is like, you're making a football analogy, and we're probably confusing Brian, but, you know, <laughs> the football analogy was really was well-placed, France. You know, you're going to start rushing the ball a little bit more. And I, I think of Brock as like the tight end, but he's like a safety valve. You know, your quarterback's down, and now you got your backup in, and you're throwing the ball to Brock. That's just who you go with, you know, because he's the easiest person to go with. But in a lot of ways, that could have been avoided – you know, had they done better by especially someone like Braun Strowman, I think, you know, and I, what I mean by that is I understand he's won the majority of his matches, but he's been made to look like a little bitch, essentially, by Brock Lesnar anytime that he's really had an opportunity. And I think that made it difficult for them to go with Braun when they had the, the title vacant. And had they not just made it seem like Braun was essentially – under Brock Lesnar, then maybe we could have moved forward with Braun and we didn't need Brock. And I understand the, the appeal of Brock, but I just, I kind of, to me, it's it's been a lack of, while they have pushed other guys, it never really felt like they made the next guy who was ready. And so you just go right back to Brock. It's it's a, I felt like it was a little careless, in my opinion, that they, that they had to go back. They felt like they had to go back to Brock because they didn't have any other option, if that makes sense. Forgive me for breaking format, but I want to retort to that for just a second. You said that they have a backup plan, but you can't plan for a man getting leukemia. No, no, I'm not saying right, that. Right, but, but hold on. But, but, the, but the backup plan was Braun. I don't think we're, we're acknowledging that, number one, there have been numerous reports coming out that Braun had a little heat with the backstage area. And two, Braun has a very serious elbow injury that he's had to have surgery for now twice. So right. maybe they knew... That they couldn't put the belt on him at the moment, but he had to be involved because of how hard they've pushed him. Right? right. So when you're back so to use your tight end analogy, if Gronk gets hurt, then you wanna go you are gonna wanna go to Edelman, right? Well Edelman got suspended. So who do you right. go to next? Right. right. You go back to the same old guy you know, and it's just Tom Brady slinging the ball around. So I I I'm I would be I would be with you if these two very um public 
and serious issues with Braun weren't known. If we had no idea, then yeah, it just looks like, wow, they just don't give a shit about Braun. But if both of these are to be leaked, right. even if one of them are, then you can understand why they went back to Brock, because he was the third option, not the back. Sure. Well, I definitely think, you know, that plays a factor. But also, Braun isn't the only guy, you know. I mean, they had this match planned, obviously. You know, I, I feel I just feel like there's other guys on the roster that they, they could have attempted to go with. And they didn't. And it is what it is. And we don't want to get too far into this because then it becomes yes. Carl arguing with Rance. And we need to move on to SmackDown because I got to give Kyle some heat here because he's got the easiest brand, supposedly. You keep but saying I'll, that, but I don't think it's yeah. Because you're making it out to and me. It's not, because I'm about to give you a question that's just like, so let's talk about AJ Styles for a second, okay? <laughs> AJ, in the, over the last year, up until, what, two weeks ago now, was the WWE champion. He beat Jinder Mahal. He fought Brock Lesnar at last year's Survivor Series. And ever since then, AJ has held that belt up until Daniel Bryan took it just a couple of weeks ago. So here's the thing. I don't need you to defend them putting the belt on AJ Styles. I need you to defend them allowing this long ass. If SmackDown is such a great show, I need to know why they kept this belt on this man, this long ass title ring that was, for lack of a better word, pretty fucking terrible. For as long as they did, they had it set up perfectly with guys like Nakamura. They've got guys that they, I mean, Daniel Bryan came back, what? Daniel Bryan came back in February of this of this year. It took them eight months to even get here. People were, I mean, you know, people were clamoring for him. I wasn't, but people are. You got the Miz sitting right there. You got lots of guys, and yet they just kept that belt with the most boring ass feuds. Made Shinsuke look like a bitch. Made Samoa Joe look like a bitch. Like, what's up, man? If this is such a great show, I need to know. The, you got to defend okay. this for me. Say a couple things. I'm going to say a couple things. Yeah. Um. I'll defend them not putting the title on Shinsuke. This is a hollow defense, but I'm going to make it anyway. <laughs> I'll defend them not putting the belt on Shinsuke because if the concern was about his if the concern was about him communicating with the audience, they needed to make that character change. And so the character change has worked and heel Shinsuke as far as the main roster goes is better than face Shinsuke was. Now, I don't think Shinsuke is where they dropped the ball with AJ. Where they dropped the ball on AJ's title reign is AJ should have lost that shit to Oh Wendy. <laughs> Samoa Joe should have taken that title. And I'm not going to sit here and try to pretend that he shouldn't have because Samoa Joe should have taken that title. The problem with AJ's reign hasn't been that the feuds have been bad. The problem with AJ's reign is that AJ's always gone over in the end just like Brock does. And so all of the people that AJ goes against because AJ's a white meat babyface and all of his feuds are between him and these like badass heels is that he makes them all look like bitches in the end because they're not winning. And so then he loses to shit or he beats Shinsuke in spite of the dick kicks. But Daniel gives him one motherfucking dick kick. And that was like the last dick kick. The yeah. final dick kick in the string of dick kicks his dick kick could and take finally, no, the dick could take no more that's all it was i was gonna say finally his balls of diamond apparently just like <laughs> crumbled into cubic zirconias there you go well that done title reign ended no i won't defend the aj styles title reign because that was some bullshit so but are so you would say i uh, just to clarify was it is that detrimental to smackdown over the last year 
I don't think it was detrimental to SmackDown. I think it was detrimental to the WWE title. And there's okay. a difference. Um, okay. SmackDown itself was still entertaining in spite of AJ being a mid-card WWE champion. Because in throughout his reign, first of all, Smojo was amazing in that in the feud between the two of them. Smojo was amazing. Um, Shinsuke was relatively entertaining in their feud together. But on the other times, when AJ was champion, the rest of this feud, um, or not the feud, the rest of his time, you had the saga with KO and Sammy versus Shane, which, you know, yeah, it was some shit we've all seen before, but Kevin and Sammy are amazing together as antagonistic whiners. Um, so that was thoroughly entertaining. It brought Daniel out of retirement. They had Daniel coming out of retirement. It was this huge um, story in and of itself, this great feel-good moment for WrestleMania. You had um, the tag team feud between the bar, or not the bar, I'm sorry, with the New Day and the Usos, which pretty much single-handedly kept tag team wrestling relevant um, last year. You had the feud between Miz and Daniel Bryan. You've had the rise of Becky Lynch. There have been a lot of great things happening on SmackDown. It's just the WWE title has been tarnished as a result of the fact that for most of AJ Styles' reign as champion this time around, AJ Styles has not been the champ that runs the camp. AJ Styles has been just another jabroni with a belt. Okay. okay. That's good. What do you think, Clive? What do you got? AJ Styles, can you defend this shit? Well, in my opinion, this isn't excusing the title reign. I think it's explaining it, if that makes, if you can, if you know what I mean there. Um, funnily enough, this evening I had watched AJ's 365 documentary on the network. And it started round about the time with his match against Finn Balor at TLC, where he was called upon last minute because of sickness to Bray Wyatt. He flew in from Chile, two different flights, got there with little notice, had a really good match with Finn Balor, and they went backstage. Uh, Road Dog and Vince were in Gorilla, and the look of adoration on Vince's face was a rare, rare sight to see in all these sort of fourth wall breaking documentaries that you have on the network. Uh, and the, the documentary over the remaining 365 days showed AJ doing a lot of public appearances, um, helping out last minute again, doing well with the tours in Japan, Australia, because of his connections over there before. Uh, charity work, Another few separate instances where he was hugging Vince McMahon. Um, Stephanie was beaming as he was high. As AJ was high fiving some sick kids in the middle of a ring and stuff like that. The autograph signings is very personable. For me, Vince sees him. He's very much a company man. He's a face of the company. Maybe not on the scale as John Cena, but AJ Styles is doing a lot of good work for the the brand of WWE that brand that they're trying to um, portray as being a family product. So that's why I think Vince is, is rewarding him by keeping him as the champion because it's good for the product. Maybe not SmackDown as a TV show and own story on its own, but overall, I think that's why Vince did it. As for the SmackDown product itself, it did get, bo not boring, that's not the right word, frustrating to see him win all the time and 
be the victim of low blows a lot of the time when you've got a lot of people on the card as well that maybe are more deserving. But just from a company standpoint, maybe that's why AJ has been booked so strongly over the last year or so. AJ is one of the only people that both the company and the casual fans like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. AJ is accepted by not just the IWC who will forever love him because he's a badass wrestler and has had a wonderful career. He's also well-respected by the company and the casuals and the kids and all parties like AJ Styles. Mm-hmm. They might not love him, think he's the greatest thing since sliced bread, but everybody likes AJ Styles. And mm-hmm. can't say that about a large percentage of the roster. Yeah. Rance, what do you think? So, yes, AJ Styles is the consummate um, top guy, if you will, or one of the top guys. Vince McMahon has said on the record that I wish I had 12 AJ Styles. But if I'm going to answer the question, is was AJ Styles' title reign detrimental to SmackDown? My answer is yes. I'm going to answer that because... Much like Kyle said, and much like I say all the time, if we're going to be consistent, if consistency is going to be key in this conversation, then if we're going to talk about Raw and how Brock Lesnar is detrimental to that show, then AJ holding the title with lackluster feuds, lackluster finishes, and almost unwatchable and almost unwatchable segments weekly, then we have to acknowledge that. And the difference between SmackDown and Raw is Raw has three hours to fill, so that's essentially 15 minutes we're missing which is one-twelfth of the show. On SmackDown, that's one-eighth of the show, and it's a much bigger deal. So, yes, the matches, for the most part, were entertaining. There were some good segments. There were some bad segments. But largely, we all agree. I mean, go back and listen to all of our shows, that the AJ Styles title reign was getting very, very bad. We all talked about that for the longest. So... If we're going to be consistent and we're going to say that Lesnar not being there and the title not being on the show is a detriment to Raw, then AJ holding it that way without being entertaining and with him essentially, I don't want to use the word bury, but but not allowing other talents to ascend has to be in the same breath. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. AJ ruined the pushes of both Nakamura and Joe. AJ almost irreparably ruined Nakamura. Like, I can't take Shinsuke Nakamura seriously at all now. At <laughs> all. I don't. I mean, I feel the same way about Samoa Joe. Yeah. I mean, Samoa Joe is even looks even worse now after Survivor Series, in my opinion. I mean, it's just... I think the only thing I think the difference is Joe at least still sounds like a badass. Like he does. Yeah, he does. Seriously, because I know he's not going to win, but. Well, that's almost worse. Like that's almost worse, though, because we can say the same about Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt sounds great, but now we know that it's it's just empty words, right? That's that's something that you've been very adamant about. So Joe's threats are empty now because he can't uh, do anything. I agree. All talk, no walk. And 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 Brock essentially is is beating. He's squashing people, but that's one squash. Move on. Whereas AJ's beating people month after month after month after month after month. Yeah, oh, I mean, I'm not gonna sit here and defend it. Okay. Like okay. I've been on the show <laughs> for, for a month talking about. Well, this, this is why I'm bringing these questions to light because I think it's important when people are judging, they understand. Like, look, Brock Lesnar is he holding it up? Is AJ holding it up? Things like this. 
what makes one brand better than the other. And Rance brings up a good point. And that's why I mentioned AJ, because I gave Rance a hard time about Brock. So we got to, you know, we got to get after AJ a little bit as well here too. And Kyle, I mean, you in your, in your defense, I mean, even you said, you know, so we're good on that. I just want to. not going to sit here and pretend that he styles title. Yeah. So I want to, I want to jump back to, to 205 Live. And this is a more recent thing. And it's just, to me, like, this might be, this might be easy. I don't know. Like, it's hard for me to ask a lot of questions about 205 Live because I really don't watch 205 Live. I mean, I watch Raw and SmackDown sometimes, but I really don't watch 205 Live. So I'm, I got to dig a little bit for stuff. And luckily, WWE gave me a little material. So let's just, let's just talk about it for a second. Let's talk about general manager Drake Maverick for a second, right? <laughs> okay, so when he first came in, everything was pretty cool with him, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we're everything's been good. He's been a good general manager. Do you... With the addition of him as AOP's manager, pissing his pants notwithstanding, do you think that that is a does it? How does do you think that makes it worse on him because now he's pulling double duty? He's on Raw. He's doing the two hundred five live thing. They kind of made him look like a bitch at Survivor Series. Like, why is anybody on the two look like a bitch? Why is anybody on 205 Live going to have any respect for Drake? Or do you think this is a good thing? Or do you think this is actually a bad thing for, the, for, for the show? For Drake. He's rock star spud. No, Nobody you know what I'm saying. Spud. <laughs> but he, this isn't TNA. We're not talking about TNA here. So. No, like, that's, no, that's been his gimmick for years. I'm saying nobody respects spud. It's part of the gimmick. Well, people have liked Drake, though, I think. I think in the, in the locker room, from what oh, I've you know, like gathered. Drake. I love Drake. So. Bud could turn chicken shit into chicken salad. So I'm just my, my question is, I guess, do you think that with this new development that it's going to make for an interesting story where now everybody's going to be like, fuck the general manager. You know what I mean? Like, really? Like, he's going to tell us what to do. He peed his pants. You know what I'm saying? Or yeah. is this a bad thing? What do you think? I think it's um, to sort of pick up on the point earlier about did Enzo move the, move the needle for 205? I don't think this will do anything for it because a couple of people had interactions with Drake Maverick on this week's 205 Live. Cedric Alexander came up to him and was all nicey-nicey, um, looking for a further opportunity to get back into the title picture and whatnot. It seemed to have just been... I mean, he literally dresses differently. He combs his hair back for 205, whereas on Raw, he's got that crazy middle pattern going on. Uh, he's a, it is almost as if he's a completely different persona on both on different each show. Right. So they didn't make mention of it at all. Not even Nigel McGuinness, Percy Watson, or Vic Joseph made mention of it in the commentary. I don't even think anything about Survivor Series out with the Mustafa Ali Buddy Murphy match was mentioned. So if people saw Survivor Series, they saw Drake Maverick piss his pants, they'll think, oh, he's quite funny. I'm going to. I'm going to see what this 205 Live's all about to see what the general manager's like. And they'll just see this guy who's got nice suits, nice hair, and make some good matches. They might be a wee bit disappointed and think, oh, well, I won't bother next week. So if they, I think if they don't capitalise on it, it's a, a bad thing because Jake Maverick's quite over at the moment. Yeah, I agree. And I, by the way, I know uh, 
before I let Rance take this, I, I do want to mention I'm gonna we're gonna talk about Mustafa Ali. I understand how important he is to the show at some point. I just want to get some of these some of these out of the way because uh-huh. Mustafa, you know, I'm not gonna like sit here and like have this debate, let you have this debate, and not let you talk about like the most over guy on the whole damn roster. By the way, so we're gonna gonna you're gonna get a chance to do that. I just want to like kind of go through. So Rance, did you want to add anything else, Brian, or is that? No, that's me. Okay. All right. So I'll let Rance take it. Um, as far as the Drake Maverick things goes and about him doing double duty, the issue I have with that, um, was the continuity of it as, as with Leo Rush at the time, Leo Rush, a heel was managing a baby face, Bobby, Bobby Lashley, Drake Maverick, a straight laced ju- justifiable face was, um, he was managing the a, a bad, rough and tough heel tag team. So the alignments felt off. And yes, I understand that 205 Live is main roster, but isn't necessarily canon and this, that, and the other. I get all that. But that bothered me personally because I essentially had to look at two, at one character as two different people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And at least Leo Rush has been rectified at, that he's the same smarmy asshole he is on 205 as he's on Raw. With a guy who's matching him and Bobby, but the Drake with AOP almost makes the Drake on 205. Which, to your point earlier, Brian, we talked about Enzo and did he help or did, is it a detriment or a positive that he left? One of the few, one of the one of the I think the major reasons that 205 kind of kind of got back afloat, if you will besides the fire tournament, which is excellent, was that they had a general manager who stayed out of the way, who made people wrestle, and just did his job, and didn't make himself part of the storylines. If we're going to have to have general managers, which is such as is the WWE now, Drake was the was the general manager that I think most diehard fans want. He doesn't take, he doesn't take away from the show, but he does just enough to justify being there. Fair? Mm-hmm. Now he's a joke. So are we going to lead to heel Drake Maverick? Are we going to lead to joke Drake Maverick? And yes, I know you said that this week nobody really said much, but somebody will. They All of the guys have been roasting them on Twitter. So, and I'm talking to two or five live guys. So eventually it's going to be acknowledged. It's going to be a thing. Is that going to lead to a inferiority complex? Even because he, Spud, as he was back in the day, always had one. He's smaller. He's not the guy that everybody else is. And now this, that, and the other. So that's my only concern about this whole this whole issue. Um, the man who plays Rockstar Spud or Drake Maverick or whatever we're going to call him is excellent. And he can, get, he can make chicken shit out of chicken salad with anything he's given. But that's my concern. And that's my issue. Is that when you're doing, when you're playing two diff- the same role essentially on two different shows, two different ways, the continuity is gonna ca- have to catch up eventually. And when it does, the the goodwill you've built up and what's made 205 Live work so well is going to be gone. And then it's gonna be the same old Baron Corbin situation or the same old Hill General Manager situation because essentially that's what we're leading to. I mean, I know a character I want to see Drake Maverick play. I just want Drake Maverick and his lover EC3 to just like 
be the next power couple of WWE. Because like <laughs> that's hashtag relationship goals right there. Yeah. If you can go get right. fake ass spray tan, that's that's relationship goals. Any couple that spray tans together stays together. So okay. So Kyle, did you want to add anything to this? The Drake Maverick saga, if you will. Um I mean I I generally am not a fan of people portraying different characters on separate shows within the same universe. I don't mind, you know, we talk about Johnny last name. I don't mind Johnny last name being mildly different characters within different companies because they're at least totally separate companies. And he's really still being the same character, just going by a different name. Maverick is being two totally different people on these shows in a way that doesn't make sense. And the main roster is using him the way that TNA always used him as a comedic relief character. Cause that's really what he excels at. Um, so like, I feel like that's probably the way that they should go. But again, I'm going to hold out hope for the power couple of EC3 and Drake Maverick. <laughs> okay so i you know like i said i don't i don't get into the two into 205 but live that much i do like drake a lot uh obviously i think he's it'd be hard for people not to like him uh but i will say like i kind of agree with rance you know they it made him look like a joke and like for the people who watch both shows we know who drake is you know and like for him to be out there taking a whiz on himself and then the next week or the next two days later on 205 live trying to manage someone. I mean, just imagine if you walked into work tomorrow, you know, knowing your boss would like piss their pants at a Christmas party <laughs> two days before, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, you might right. not want to, you, your bosses don't piss their pants at the Christmas party. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> uh, but anyways, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll jump off that. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm want to move on to raw again. And I have a question for rants. Rance may not care about this as much as Kyle, but I do want to ask it because I know Kyle and me are both team save tag team wrestling. Seriously, save uh, it. So Rance, I want to talk. What the fuck is going on with Raw's tag team division, man? Honestly, it's been a Raw joke for a while. Division? Exactly. Let's just. I just want to talk about it. I want to hear Rance if he can. We know Vince doesn't like tag team wrestling. So before you go on to that, we've always heard that he doesn't like tag team wrestling. Whether that's true or not, I don't really know. But we've always heard that, so I don't I don't really – it's not good enough. It's not going to be good enough. It might be good enough for the people judging. It's not for me. But I just want to know, do you think they're ever going to do anything about this just weak tag team division? And would it be beneficial to them running this three-hour show to actually – do something that matters with that division. Okay, so let me answer. Let me let me let me speak to the Vince thing first. Vince doesn't like tag team wrestling, and let me tell you why he doesn't like tag team wrestling. His thought process, and he said this before, his thought process is simply this: if I have the same amount of time, I'd rather get two dudes over than have to work to get four. The 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 reason he doesn't believe in tag team wrestling is because he looks at tag teams as just a conduit to get another single star. Ultimately, and this is, and, and if we're speaking factually, ultimately the only tag team in history that's ever drawn legit money in the WWE 
or even WWWCW before this era now where guys like the Bucks and stuff like that can make money, but just in the history of wrestling was the Real Warriors. Tag teams ultimately okay. didn't drop. The Outlaws were one of the top merchandise sellers. Okay, but they were they were in behind in terms of drawing money. They were behind the Rock. They were behind Stone Cold. They were behind Triple H. They okay. were behind the Undertaker. Your argument wasn't, but your argument wasn't top draw. Your argument I say was top draw. tag teams that made money. The New well, Age Outlaws made plenty of fucking money. Let, let me correct myself. That I'm sorry. Were the a top drawing tag team? Were top drawing act as a tag team? It's one, and it's the Road Warriors. So. The number of wrestlers that he's made top stars that came out of tag teams is long as hell. Stone Cold, Shawn Michaels, so many people, Batista, Randy Orton, so many people that you have that came out of all of the shield. You know, so many stars He's have come out of tag teams and become single stars. So that's just his, I'm not saying I agree with that. I'm not saying it's right. That's just the thought process behind that. So if you if you look at that thought process and try to acquiesce it to now, you'll see why most of the tag teams he has are single stars put together. Ambrose and Rollins for the longest point. McIntyre and Ziggler for a while. Even before they went to SmackDown, because they were the Raw Tag Team Champions for the long time, Cesaro and Sheamus. Now Gable and, and Rude. So, yes... The, the depth of tag teams, and most importantly, the depth of legitimate tag teams, is a problem. But as with everything in WWE and on Raw in general, there are ebbs and flows. The the At the end of the day, the story is always what matters most events. The story in the bottom line. So if we look at how this year has panned out, the stories have led to such that just didn't mean, that just didn't put tag teams at the top level. Stories have in recent in in either recent times m- meant much. If we if we want to talk legitimately, the Shield and the Dogs of War was a tag team storyline that dominated Raw for three months. We've had tag teams, we've had tag team storylines, we've had top level tag teams. The issue is the depth, and that is something that needs to be addressed. But that's also something that is always going to be in flux. Because if we're in the business, and if you guys want to believe that wins and losses matter, that's if we're going to say that, I don't believe that. But if we're going to go by that thought process, then ultimately there's only going to always be two or three tag teams that essentially matter because teams got to lose for somebody to win. And the biggest problem with the guys on Raw isn't just that they lose all the time, but it's that none of them are compelling enough to be remembered. The Revival is a great tag team. They might be the best in-ring tag team, but there's nothing about them that if you didn't watch them wrestle, that would make you interested. The Lucha Booties are the Lucha Booties. I don't have to say anything else. They're the Lucha Booties. Heath Slater and Rhino aren't good enough to be on the, on the Survivor Series pre-show tag team match. You know what I mean? Ties Worldwide's broken up. The Ascension is the, like, these guys aren't compelling enough. And that's not a booking thing. That's the teams. Yes, booking isn't helping, but that's the teams. You look at your tag teams on SmackDown, you have compelling acts that have been doing it for years. Cesaro and Sheamus are five-time tag champs. New Day's five-time tag champs been together three, four, five years. The Usos are Hall of Fame worthy right now. You know what I mean? You have real Also five-time tag. Also five-time tag champs. You know? So that's why you, that's why. The Colognes are three-time tag champs. Yes. The Colognes, you, you know, Exactly. 
the good brothers are two-time tag champs. You know what I mean? And that's not just kind of get... literally the only team on SmackDown's main roster that's never won a main roster tag title. But right. they're also former NXT tag champs. But if we're talking about if we're talking about my point, which is that 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 outside of um, even a I give you we can say LP and Drew and Dolph if you count them a tag team. We're talking about the difference between Raw and SmackDown and what I'm saying about being interesting and being memorable. The Usos are memorable because of their slam poetry, uh, hood-esque gimmick. The gimmick is memorable, right? The New Day, my God, they throw pancakes at you. They're memorable. There's something about them that you remember. We can go down the line of all the tag teams on SmackDown. I named the tag teams on Raw. There's nothing about them that's re- that's memorable. So, yes, WWE deserves a lot of blame, and they need to fix things. You're right, but this is one of those situations where we need to look at we need to look at the talent too. What are y'all doing to be de- better? What are y'all doing to be different? As much as I hate the Lucha Booties, them adding little things like bringing pinatas to the ring and them doing things like having lucha house rules matches or something that makes them a memorable team and i hate yeah. them i hate them but you that's know, man, the step they're getting more, over they're more redeemable than half the other teams on that brand because you know what the difference because you know what the difference is between them and the b team for example the b team tried something different and got themselves a little bit over but the b team or great proof that the B was the end of J-O-B. Because the tag division on Raw is the job squad. They are all the job squad. And what do we know about the job squad? They fucking lose because they fucking geeks. They are there for one reason and one reason only. To catch that asshole. Okay, but can I be honest? Can we be dead honest here? Whichever one of the three of the bar, the Usos, and the New Day that isn't getting pushed, jobs all the time. They just switch. So if if it's yeah, the Usos versus the New, if it's the, is the difference. Like no, I, they're I'm not saying five-time champions. The the B team is not. The no, B I team agree. Jobbers before, then they won the titles. Now they jobbers again. I agree. I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm I'm saying just in a vacuum, the, the both all teams are losing the same amount of matches. The Usos, now they're getting another little push. But before that, they were losing every week. And I'm not saying the Usos were getting unpushed, the New Day was losing every week. And I'm not saying you're wrong about that. What I'm saying is all of the teams on SmackDown can lose because all of them are established as legitimate teams and legitimate threats that only need a win or two to be relevant. None of the raw tag teams that are not in the title picture have that same level of credibility. None of them. None of them are even remotely believable in challenging the Authors of Pain. The Authors of Pain's next challenger is a team that either not, is either not formed yet or is not on that roster yet. So I'm agreeing with you again, but again, the point of the question was, what's the diff- what is wrong with Raw's tag division? And essentially, Rock's tag division is being booked the same as SmackDown's. The difference is the teams are established, Ooh. right? So what I'm trying to point out to the listeners and to you guys is, put some blame on the teams. 
Yeah. If we're going to okay. say Vince McMahon doesn't like tag team wrestling, both divisions are being booked the same. Well, I think, I, I think Clive has fallen asleep, mm. but um, <laughs> I was, I was, I was seeing, you know, you look like you were taking a little nap there, but that's all right. I want to hear your opinion on this. And we've had, I'm the asshole, by the way, and Kyle just called a whole bunch of people geeks, something I would never do, I've never done, ever. So I just want to hear what Clive You has. don't have to do it. I'll do it. It's fine. Never, never happened all the time. <laughs> I've not got much to add to the argument in this point. Just a couple of um, small things. In keeping with what was said about Drake Maverick earlier, a lot of the tag teams have been made to look like a joke. And... Maybe one too many comedy segments over the last 12 months or so. You had the cookout, Braun Strowman destroying them on multiple occasions, um, things like that. So that's why I can't take them seriously and credibly. The other point is a positive. Um, the Ascension's theme music is, was, and always will be <laughs> the best music that the WWE have ever put out. So they've got that one for them at least. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, you know, I'll be honest with you. Like, I've, I've always been, I'm kind of like you, Kyle, I'm a big proponent of tag team wrestling, but I really just think, and Rance has a good point here, and really it leads to this. SmackDown has all the good ones, really. I mean, I, I mean, the revival are over there. That's and Raw, that's fine, and AOP's good. They're dominant, you know. But outside of that, the rest of these tag teams are garbage. I mean, it's just garbage. They're not compelling, like Rant said, you know, and, that, and that's a problem. Um, Rant says to put it on the teams. Some people will say put it on the booking. I find it to be a little somewhere in the middle. I think maybe you could throw them more bones, you know, I think. But I also think, you know, whether they get that those opportunities or not, they've got to do something with them. So we'll um, – You throw them bones and the B team, gets, B team gets over for three months and then you stop throwing them bones because people stop caring. Yeah. They're not compelling, like you said. You know that—that's one example. When they were to when they were to Mistourage. No, that original that original B team run was interesting as fuck. Yeah, like the yeah, first month and a half of it was interesting. You know what I compare that to though? Like Heath Slater and Rhino. It was interesting in the chase, but once they actually get the titles, it's not interesting anymore. And that's because they're not compelling. Exactly my point. <clears throat> yeah, well, that was that was only interesting because of Heath Slater, not really Rhino, anyway. Well, yeah, but no, outside, yeah. Just, outside of it's it's time to to get back on to get back on SmackDown here for a second. So here, here's one thing that I think it bugs a lot of people. Maybe not necessarily me, but I think it's worth mentioning. Shane McMahon is a for the last is for the last year has, for lack of a better word. Been a cancer? Been a cancer to some people on SmackDown Live. Would you agree or disagree? And do you think the right thing is to just keep him off TV, make him limited, or do something different? Because Shane has been one of those that's just people like Shane. You know, people just like Shane because he's got the cool theme song and he's the one, he's the cool McMahon, you know? Because so what he's do you, the McMahon that you were the least exposed to for a really, really long sure. time? Yeah. Because so Shane went home. Let's talk about this. With SmackDown, you know, in a lot of people's eyes, being the premier WWE branded show outside of NXT, like we've mentioned, do you think that Shane McMahon is only – the involvement of Shane McMahon has anything to do with that? Or do you think it's actually going to be long-term a bad thing for them if they continue to go to that well? 
I think it would be a I think it would be a mistake long term to just always go to that well because I am on record on the edge numerous times saying that less McMahons is a good thing. Right. With the McMahon family, less is more. Um, I will say that Shane is the most tolerable McMahon because Shane is the McMahon who's not afraid to be a geek. Like Shane is. Shane is is the crash test dummy guy. Shane will jump off that thing or take that bump or catch that ass whooping when the story calls for it, which allows them to tell more compelling stories with Shane than they can with Stephanie because Stephanie only takes one bump a year during WrestleMania. Um, Vince is so old that he don't take no bumps at all if he's ever around. And I mean, Vince isn't really ever around anymore, which is fine. But, like, that's the reason why Shane gets a pass, because Shane is the least exposed McMahon. And if you can continue to expose him, he will get the McMahon, the McMahon fatigue that the rest of them get. Um, but I also am not going to sit here and pretend that Shane wasn't a part of some of the compelling parts of SmackDown over the last year, because, like, his match with AJ at WrestleMania last year was an underrated sleeper. Like, nobody expected that match to be as good as it turned out to be. I did. Nobody but Rance expected that match to be as good as it turned out to be. Um, And the story that he ended up telling with the, like, with KO and Sammy and AJ and um, the craziness that that was, you know, it got convoluted at the end, but it was entertaining for the duration. Um, this stuff he's doing right now with Miz only upsets me because I, I need the Miz to be in the WWE title picture. And I'm like really on that train right now. Um, I might be the only person on that train right now, but like, I got a great seat. Um, but, um, I don't know. I think Les McMahon's in the long run is, is a better thing. But for right now, I think relying on Shane while he's still young enough to take bumps isn't like killing the show and he can take the bumps that page can't take because page can't take the bumps no more either so if we need an authority figure who can catch that ass whooping he fulfills that baron corbin role really well Clive? i think shane's use has run out quite quickly over the last couple of years granted the aj styles match at wrestlemania was decent it was a surprise match of the, maybe not match of the night contender, but it still was very palatable. But since then, his rub against the likes of Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and now what's looking like to be The Miz, it's it's another one of those ones where the last couple of years, I've seen it already, I've seen it a few times, too many, and I know it's kayfabe and I know it's not a big deal with this crown jewel thing, but this best in the world things just oh, I don't need I don't need McMahon's hogging the limelight in 2018 anymore. It's not really the land of opportunity. That Shane McMahon himself has said it was for the last few years. So, and I've got a bugbear as you know with part timers. When the likes of Almas isn't getting on the card, the Super Survivor Series card at all when the likes of Ty Dillinger aren't really getting much of an opportunity to progress themselves in their career on the main roster, 
because of the likes of Shane McMahon gassing himself after five minutes, missing elbows, looking like a ragdoll. Because cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> um, it's time to put, put Shane O'Mac out of his misery. Rance, what you got, man? Well, I'm the wrong person to ask this question because I'm a known Shane Mark. But let me say this. <laughs> I think the reason... I think the reason I'd never had a problem with Shane as an authority figure, even to this point, is for three reasons. Number one, he's always and consistently has been over. Number two, he never goes over. He always takes the he always takes the fall. Except for that what you call that shit in, in Saudi Arabia, which clearly was a storyline, but whatever it was. But at number three he's a continuity black hole is what it was, because you go threaten to fire everybody if they lose in the World Cup, but meanwhile, we're going to go over on Survivor Series and act like that shit ain't no thing. Well, hey, you're only hurting yourself because you're the one that said your brand has consistency. <laughs> number th- and number three. It's a continuity black hole. Okay. That's, well, that's, your, that's your general manager, so you're only hurting yourself in this, in this debate. And number Shane three. My general manager, sure. Shane is the commission. Well, that's worse. He's the guy over the brand. Um, And number three. He always is willing and ready to take any bump or ass whipping that that comes to him where it's necessary. So I think those three things have always bred him as not necessary, but but a willing, a willing, willingly important, if you will. So I never had a problem with him because even in the matches he was having, he was always losing. Right. I think if I had to find an issue with Shane in general, more than anything to me, it's that. I don't have a problem with him being competitive with wrestlers in hardcore situations. It's in situations when it's not hardcore, where he looks like he comes off, he just comes off his couch and is as good as they are. And they're on the road four four days, five days a week, 52 weeks a year. That's where I start to get a little annoyed, but um, such is life in WWE that there has to be an authority figure. It is what it is. Kyle said the best page can't take bumps. Shane is necessary. Now, what I don't want is Shane to keep having major one-on-one feuds with people. I don't mind it at certain points in the year. But this year, with the exception of the time he took off because he was either kayfabe injured or real-life injured when Braun threw him through the table after he had he had um, diverticulitis and came back and a hernia and came back um, two weeks later, which... And by all stretch, by every uh, by every account, he really did have it. So he's superhuman. This is the guy that no sold a after accident, not too long yeah. before that. He no sold, yeah. So he's superhuman. Um, but except for the exception of that time it took off, Shane's been a feud, been involved with the feud for the better part of the past eighteen months. So I think that's why we're why you guys and maybe some other fans may be a little tired of him. Uh, I don't have a problem with him. Because I don't think he takes away from the from the show too much, as long as he stays away from the championship, and as long as he doesn't. What he was doing with Kevin Owens, the same as Zayn was ruining the was ruining the show. I think because he kept ruining their lives, which was ruining every feud they were involved in until they feuded with. As long as it's as long as it's just you and another dude, and y'all just stay in y'all shit, I don't have a problem with it. Um, but I'm fine with him as long as he. I hate to say it like this, but stays in his lane. Stay in your lane, bro, and I'm good with it. <clears throat> okay. So I think we've all, we've had a pretty good round of questions. It's getting 
getting a little long. So I want to, I kind of want to finish up with this. And it's not, I'm not going to do like a closing statement per se, but I think we're, the idea was everybody here was going to defend their brand and state of the state of their brand, that kind of thing. So this is what I want to do. And this will be kind of fun. It won't be y'all. Hopefully you won't hate this too much. <laughs> so what I want is I want you, I'm going to start with you, Clive, because this is going to be the toughest for you. I uh, just want you to know this. I, I hate to do it to you, but I'm sorry you chose to a five five. So the question is, you're in charge. Your brand has been chosen to main event WrestleMania to have the final match on the main on the WrestleMania card. What is that match and why? Who are you getting behind for your brand to main event WrestleMania and send the fans home happy? I'm gonna start with. Claude, do you need to think about it, or should like should I go back? Should I go with someone else, or let you, or you think you got it? Because you have the toughest. This is tough for you because it's two hundred five live. So that's why I have the obvious answer. So like I can go. Right. I've got the obvious. I've got half of my answer. Obvious. Okay. Well, let's let's let's. I'll come back to you, Clive, because thank this, you. This is it's tough. So let's. Well, I want to start with Rance because I know Rance will have. Rance looks like he is ready. So. I just want to, and it's, you know, he's got raw, so you can, you can definitely do this. So I want to hear your match gets the main event WrestleMania. Why show me why the raw brand is the best brand. If I had my way and when, and I, I don't have, I don't have the ability to use any other person from any other company, not company, but any other brand. And I have people that are currently there. So no call-ups. I can't bring Roman back. I have to use what's currently available to me. Sure. The answer is Seth Rollins versus Braun versus Brock Lesnar versus Dean Ambrose, and Rollins burning it down and beating simultaneously the the go, the the beast of the entire company who hovers over it and the fringe who hovers over his career personally. Um, Rollins once has I always beat Seth. Huh? just once I want to see Dean beat Seth. Sure, but Dean's <laughs> heel, so you know and. Well, I would, I could have, I was gonna say Drew, but his caveat was that makes the fans go home happy. Yep. So I, you have to, it, it would have to be Seth. Um, but Seth beating those guys simultaneously, and I hate, you know, some fans are gonna hate, but doing it with in in the guise of maybe not I won this for Roman, but you know, this is vindication for both of us. Um, Seth has been the second hardest pushed wrestler in the business behind Roman and it's very, 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 very close. I did a column about this saying that if you were to go by literal tangible metrics that you can actually tangibly record with the exception of the four main events at WrestleMania, Seth has been pushed harder than Roman has. If you go by the metrics, Mm -hmm. Um, Roman might have passed that up to this point after this past year, but it is literally neck and neck. I'm talking like like two to like like one a one b type stuff. So Seth ascending to that point, winning it outright, kind of righting the wrong he did at 31, uh, when he stole Roman's moment and winning it for Roman against the guy who squashed Roman every chance he got and the guy who said that God is punishing Roman with his leukemia, um, in front of the hometown crowd WWE's at home in New York. I think that's the move that will clear up every storyline that will send the crowd home happy and will lead WWE into the future positively. 
Plus, if I want to cater to the diehard fans for a minute, Rollins is the best wrestler on the brand. Well, there you go. Kyle, what you got? I mean, it's the obvious answer, but Seth, or, I'm sorry, Daniel Bryan versus The Miz right. for the WWE title. Um, now, you'd have asked me this exact same question pre-Daniel heel turn. No, pre-Superstar Showdown. If you'd have asked me this same exact question pre-Superstar Showdown, I'd have said Miz stays heel, Miz beats Daniel Bryan literally every time they face each other. Miz wins the WWE title from AJ. And then Miz goes on to say, Daniel, why should I defend the belt against you? You've never beaten me. I'm better than you. You can't beat me. I'm the A-lister. You're just a B-plus player. Uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but instead, you know, since we can't have nice things, um, <laughs> Daniel turned heel, which is fine. Heel Daniel Bryan's more interesting than face Daniel Bryan to me anyway. Oh, yeah. My uh, one shot. But... I guess I'll go with Miz wins the Royal Rumble. And Miz, by this point, has endeared himself to the crowd, and everybody loves him because he's the Miz and he's awesome. Mm -hmm. um, they go on last with heel Daniel still having the belt. And Miz skull-crushing finales his ass and beats him clean in the middle of the ring to once again be the WWE champion and to still be undefeated in the main event of WrestleMania because he's that dude. At least he'll remember it this time. <laughs> yeah. Because it's an interbrand match, so I can't pick it. Consolation prize, Ronda versus Becky. In the that would have been mine, too. Yeah, I that think that would have been, been a lot of people's before. picks, and that's why I didn't want y'all to have it. So, uh, you know, once again... When I hear when I when Rob hears this, he's gonna be like asshole Carl at the end. Wouldn't let him have one nice thing. What up, bro? So <laughs> even though I'm a way bigger asshole than you are. That's what I'm saying. I've been trying to tell him. They're not listening. All right. So Clive, you've had some time to put it together. I know who one of your guys is, and I told you you'd get a chance to talk about him, but I want to hear who the, who the other one is. So let's go. One of two of the ongoing stories in two oh five live. Like unwritten stories over the last few months has been Cedric Alexander was quite a boring champion and Mustafa Ali was having chances taken away from him repeatedly. There has been hints that Cedric Alexander is going to betray Mustafa Ali at some point, so some fantasy booking maybe at the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. Multi-man match for the Cruiserweight Championship. Cedric Alexander wins. Uh, turns heel in the process, there or thereabouts, and People aren't happy that Cedric Alexander's back in charge. So Mustafa Ali challenges Cedric for the one-on-one -on -one singles match, a repeat of last year when they were friends and Cedric Alexander beat him. Alexander's acting like an asshole now. So you've got, it's the it's not the redemption angle as such, but it's the, the validation finally that Mustafa Ali is able to do it at the grandest stage of them all. Where personally, I think, even if... Let's say this is the main event. Mustafa Ali deserves it. The work he's put in, the, the fire promos, the homemade promos, the match of the year contenders every couple of months or so, and he finally defeats, he finally overcomes evil on the grandest stage to t take home the big purple. So Ali versus Alexander too, but with um, Alexander as a heel and he gets beaten finally, once and for all. Yeah, 
Well, here's the thing. I think I'll honestly, you guys will think I'm maybe think I'm crazy. I think Ali has the chops to actually be to main event and not both on not just 205 Live. I think he could be a Daniel Bryan main event style because people are behind him and he's got. And that's why I'm kind of glad that I was able to get because I, I actually believe Ali is someone that could be more than what he is on 205 Live in the future. Maybe not right now. You know, I don't know, but um, obviously I don't know. I think that match would be a tough sell for a main event of WrestleMania. But, you know, you give Ali that, you know, that build on the main brands over the years, I think it could work at some one of these days. I think it's something you could actually, could actually go. As long as it ends with Ali hitting the 054 on uh, Cedric and sending his boring ass back to square one. <laughs> So yeah, that's you know that's pretty much it. I don't uh, I was I wasn't informed how we're gonna how this is gonna be judged if there will be a poll or if there will be an email blast to all of our fans or whatever the case will be. But I think everybody did really good. I know who I would vote for. I'm not gonna tell anybody because I mean Brian's the obvious winner. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So that's just because I stayed. It would have been. Here's the thing. We're lucky that stayed up. We're, yeah, we're lucky that Ricky wasn't here because we probably all got destroyed if he was here to defend oh, NXT. I mean, without question, NXT is the superior brand to all brands right now. Well, but what we, what we can do is we can do essentially NXT versus NXT UK one of these days. Oh, oh she need to wait a year or so before we do that. Oh yeah, I mean it's not something we're doing like tomorrow. Maybe yeah. that's, maybe that's that maybe that's the state of the WWE next year. Mm-hmm. Could be. Well, you have to tune in next year. You gotta gotta keep uh, gotta keep listening and following all of us. Speaking of following, there's four of us here. I'll get my shit in quickly. You can find me at Twitter at Outsider Curvin. Uh, this is two podcasts in a row, fellas. I mean, so I don't know. Like, I'm on a streak here. I may have to keep it up. Probably not. But um, you never Kyle. know, man. Moving <laughs> our record date back to our original one, so maybe you'll be free more often. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. So, Kyle, get your shit in, man. Tell them where they can find you. Yo, you can find me on Twitter at Dr. S'mores. Pretty easy. Clive, what you got, bud? Uh, we are at Ricky and Clive on Twitter and Facebook. Um, this obviously isn't the Ricky and Clive wrestling show, but I've got some breaking news for you guys. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> I went to a, a fusion restaurant the other day, like one of those... They combine different things for your meals. And at the table across from me was the narcissist himself, Mr. Lex Luger. He was browsing the menu and there was a section on the menu <laughs> that had sort of steak-like soups. So combining steak and soup. And the waitress came up to Mr. Luger and said, so would you like the the T-bone soup, Lex, and he said, no, sorry, my bump card's maxed out. <laughs> I, I heard nothing from Rant, so I'm thinking he wasn't feeling it. Where's Ricky? Where, where's Ricky? I need Ricky. For, listen, first of all, I am I am laughing at Clive's joke. This man, I want to just say this real quick before Rant gets his shit in. You guys are six hours ahead of us. Mm-hmm. It is 9.45 where I'm at right now. That means it is 3.45 in the morning where Clive is right now. This man is up late doing this for us. He's sleepy. 
So y'all better laugh at his goddamn jokes. I'm not listening to your bullshit I anymore. Jokes all night. You are so show some respect, Clive. Thank you so much for staying up late and doing this. It's much appreciated. Thanks for having me on. Rants, get it in. Send us home. We'll um, Clive. We'll we'll wake up early one day and get in, get on with you guys or do something to repay the favor because you know it's we're so thankful that you were able to do this and. Even more thankful because your counterpart, Ricky, the other fifth member of the family, decided the person to go to sleep. insisted on us having the show tonight. Yes. Yes. <laughs> when we yes. offered to do it tomorrow at a more reasonable hour for y'all. It's true. Um, but yes, you can find me at uh, It's Ray Cash, R-E-Y's Mysterio, C-A-S-H as in dollars. Of course, you can find this show at Outsiders Edge SS. We are a part of the Social Suplex Podcast Network at Social Suplex. And we are also part of the Chairshot Radio Network, where you do what, Kyle? Always use your head. Yes, you can follow follow and find all of those at wherever uh, podcasts are given, listened to, streamed, whatever you want to do. It's all there. You can go find it. Um, I also host another show, Chairshot Radio, the flagship of Chairshot uh, Podcast Network. So, yeah, holler at us on that. Um, we write columns around here, so chair shot, check that out. Social Suplex also has a bunch of columns. Mr. Clive himself is a mem- is a is a writer for Social Suplex in Lords of Pain. 205 Live Clive, the uh, the flagship of 205 Live column writing. Check that out. Spurring on things cruiserweight. Yeah, yeah, but it's no, it's really if you don't watch the show, or even if you do, it's the best 205 Live column on the internet. Check it out. Thank you. Um, Remember, when you're reading the columns or listening to our shows, that we're all just some young men out here in the world trying to make our living. And if we said anything that you disagreed with, said anything that you didn't like, or that got you all up in your feelings, just remember that we're all out here chasing our dreams, and you've got to respect that. Because if you don't, we don't give a fuck. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll catch you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.